Let's also talk about if you don't have any writing credentials, if you haven't published a book, if you are a teacher who is writing for fun, or if you are a parent who at nighttime or early in the mornings just wanted to give this a go, that is 100% okay. You don't need to force arbitrary details into an author bio because you feel like you have to create something longer than a sentence or two for an author bio. If that is the case, if this is your first time writing, this is going to be your debut novel, just say, I am whatever you are, and this is my debut manuscript. Hey there, welcome back to Lit Match, a podcast made to help writers find the best literary agent and business partner for their writing career. Today, I'm back with the third and final part of my quick query tips episodes that feature the query letter and how to write one. I'm Abigail K. Perry, a book coach and certified developmental editor who also worked as an editorial intern. In today's episode, I'm going to zero in on the third and final paragraph of your query letter. This is also known as the quote-unquote cook section and the preferred three-paragraph format of a query letter. That preferred format following the first paragraph as the hook, second paragraph as the book, and third paragraph as the cook focus or the author bios focus. I'm also going to include some bonus material on a special trick to help you make a final and lasting connection with the queried agent. This episode is going to be short today, but you shouldn't skip it because you might pick up on some great tips that can help you take something that sometimes writers overthink and make it simple and fun. Go ahead and take out your notepads. We're going to take some notes today to help you make those final touches on your query letter. Before we get into how to write a third paragraph for a query letter, let's recap on what a query letter is and why you need one. The query letter, as we've discussed before, is the single most important page that a writer needs to write besides the manuscript, at least if you want to traditionally publish your book. And this is because the query letter is used to seduce or hook an agent into reading more pages of your manuscript, and you need a literary agent if you want to traditionally sell your book. The query letter also becomes a source of anxiety for a lot of writers, because unlike writing manuscript, writing a query letter is essentially writing a sales pitch. That means that it's a completely different type of writing than if you were to write your manuscript, especially if it's a fiction novel. As I mentioned in the introduction, this is also a three-part series in some of my quick query tips episodes. It's the third part in the three-part series, the first part being a focus on the first paragraph of the query letter. And then there's also a second episode that focuses on, surprise, surprise, the second paragraph of the query letter. And that is actually the most important paragraph in a query letter. It focuses on the book blurb or the back cover copy. And I pulled from some great resources like Bookend's YouTube channel and James Scott Bell to go over suggestions on what is important to include in a back cover copy, as well as some tips on how to write that. For today, we are going to focus on the third and final paragraph in your query letter. Remember that query letters should not exceed. And when I say query letters, it's the query letter as a whole. So the three paragraph format should not exceed one page single spaced in a Word document. So we're thinking roughly around 500 words. You are not going to include your query letter as an attachment in an email 
when you query the agent. This should be something that you copy and paste and embed within the email. If you don't want to include those attachments because the agent might not open that attachment. You also need to really make sure that you're following submission guidelines, which is discussion for another topic, but make sure that you're paying attention to what an agent specifically is asking for and how to submit properly to the agency itself and the agent itself. Regardless of what agency you query, you do need a query letter, which is why we're focusing on that. And that brings us to how do you actually bring it home and write this third and final paragraph in the query letter. The first elephant in the room that I want to address is that a lot of writers or at least writers that I've worked with or writers that I've talked to find this paragraph sometimes stressful. Sometimes people find this really easy, but a lot of the times, especially if this is the first time that they have entered the query process, they start to overthink exactly what they need in their author bio. Often they'll include too much or things that are relevant to what would attract a literary agent in a bio and make that connection piece with them. Sometimes the reason for this is because writers fear that if they don't have enough writing background, that a literary agent will pass them over. And in my experience, that's not true. To alleviate any anxiety or overthinking or stress or worry about this third paragraph, let's talk exactly about what to include in the author bio. My favorite resource that I pulled from today is a blog post on career authors. It's written by Kelly Simmons, who is a former journalist and advertising creative director and the author of the novel Standing Still, The Birdhouse, One More Day and The Fifth of July. She's also a member of WFWA, which I love, Tall Popping Writers and the Liars Club, nonprofit organization dedicated to helping fledging novelists. Now I notice I read her bio and there are some interesting details that would stand out and be an effective bio in a green letter, which we'll go over a little bit. Regardless of all that, her blog post on career authors, it's careerauthors.com is my favorite resource to pull from. And then I'm going to talk about why these details are important in the third paragraph of the query letter, that author bio. And the first thing that I'd like to talk about is what not to include in the author bio. When you're reading an author bio and a literary agent is reading this, the purpose of the author bio is to create that final connection piece to the writer. Before paragraph one and paragraph two, it's very sales driven. It's about the book. It's about the manuscript. And now this is a final short opportunity to give a taste of who you are and why you are the best writer for this story things that you don't need to include are details that are unrelated to writing or career that might be significant to your story itself. When we're thinking about what to include in an author bio, here are some details that I have seen that have attracted me to query letters or that I've seen catch the attention of an agent, as well as some examples and tips that are pulled from Kelly Simmons's blog, How to Write a Query Letter on careerauthors.com. The first of these is writing credits or job related to writing. So what I mean by this is if you have significant articles written in a magazine or newspapers, if this is your job and this is something that you do on the regular, that's absolutely something that you can add in your author bio and it will stand out as establishing you as a writer for your profession. Some other facts about you that might be attractive to a literary agent is if you have a job that's related to something in your book. In other words, like something that the character does, or maybe you have significant experience in a certain setting of the story. And that all is great if it feeds to meeting yourself as some sort of expert with certain experience in the story. And all that would be clear based on your back cover and the description of the back cover. Some more details that could be worth using in your author bio 
something that defines you as an expert in your topic, especially if you are writing a nonfiction book. This could be something like a podcast. Maybe you've created a podcast that establishes you as a specific expert in health and well-being. Or maybe you've created a crying podcast or something like that. You also might have a column somewhere. Maybe you have a writing column and going back to that writing credits or job related to writing. So think about something unique about yourself, like a podcast or other social media base. The fourth detail that might be helpful in an author bio is if you have publishings. So things like short stories that are published in well-known literary journals, or perhaps you've sold a book already. But here's the trick here. I would only add your published book if it has notable sales. And that's a personal opinion, depending on who the literary agent is, they might say differently. But I think that one thing that I would be curious to look at is if you do put down a published book, I'm going to go look that published book up. If that book isn't something that you think that does a good job reflecting the writing and the quality of storytelling that is present in your queried manuscript, you might want to consider whether or not you should include that book or if you should just leave it out and let it become part of the discussion that you have with the literary agent in the future. The fifth and final detail that I think could help you in your bio for the do's is if you happen to have a blurb from a famous author or a publishing professional, that could be a nice addition. And those are five general areas of writing that you can, can include in that third paragraph. Now that we know the do's and the don'ts of the author bio, Let's talk about social media. Whether or not you love social media or hate social media, writers often have questions on do they need a platform before they query a literary agent? And my advice to you is that it never hurts to be building platform. If you're building a platform, that is saying to the agent that you are willing to do marketing work, which every author will need to do once they sell their book. Part of being an author's career is being able to balance building a platform and selling their books in addition to writing books. Now, writing the book should always take precedence. If you're spending more time building your platform than writing your book, then you're not providing the product that your target readers are following you for to begin with. There's really a whole nother episode that we could do on marketing. Regardless of all of this, I don't want you to stress out if your platform isn't huge. Take a breath. You can breathe. You don't need a huge platform if you're a fiction writer. Now, the sweet spot, at least the last time that I've done research, the sweet spot for following is 10,000 followers. That tends to be the attractive number that says that you have a significant following. But a literary agent does not need a giant following from a fiction writer in order to sell their book. If you're a nonfiction writer, we have a different story on our hands. Because a nonfiction writer sells their book before they write it, and a fiction writer writes their book and then sells it. So a nonfiction writer, publishing houses do like to see that there is a substantial following before they purchase a book before it's written, because there's a little bit more guarantee on return on investment where a fiction writer can build their platform as they sell. So overall, both fiction and nonfiction writers benefit from building their platform. And I do think that depending on the literary agents, some literary agents might not have an issue if you don't have a social media platform. Other literary agents just will want to have the discussion of, are you willing to build a platform in some way? Just keep in mind that it's something that you want to be thinking about because if social media isn't for you, it's not that you have to have social media to sell your books, but it could benefit you. 
Which brings me back to the point of what I'm trying to say about this is that if you don't have a giant social media following, you do not need to include that in your author bio. If you are a nonfiction writer and you have a substantial following, say you have 100,000 followers on Instagram or even better, 100,000 subscribers to your email list and you want to write a book on fitness. Okay, now we're having something that is more substantial and worth including in your author bio. But if you don't have a significant following, I would just say leave it out. It's not necessary, especially if you are a fiction writer. Let's also talk about if you don't have any writing credentials, if you haven't published a book, if you are a teacher who is writing for fun, or if you are a parent who at nighttime or early in the mornings just wanted to give this a go, that is 100% okay. You don't need to force arbitrary details into an author bio because you feel like you have to create something longer than a sentence or two for an author bio. If that is the case, if this is your first time writing, this is going to be your debut novel, just say, I am whatever you are, and this is my debut manuscript. Totally okay to say that. Most literary agents will not turn you away because you're a debut. Tons of debut authors come out all the time. We all have to start our career somewhere. So don't try to force the author bio. Just be honest and say what you are and what you're doing. Maybe you say something like, I'm a chef who reads mystery novels late into night after long work shifts, and this is my debut mystery novel, something like that. Once the author bio is complete, you move on to the signature. If you're looking at that blog article on careerauthors.com, which I'll link in the show notes, Kelly talks about being direct and being forward. And she uses something that I'm not against, but is a little bit more forward than I would include. I think that you can do something as simple as, I look forward to hearing from you. And just ending it there, one sentence, I look forward to hearing from you, or even better, thank them for their time. It's always nice to be thanked for your time, especially with their agents who work around the clock. You can just say something like, thank you for taking the time to read my query letter. I look forward to hearing from you. End of sentence. Then do your signature, whatever professional signature you like to use, sincerely, first and last name, best regards, warmest regards, first and last name, whatever you like to use, just keep it professional. And here is one last tip that I would like to share with you. And it comes from careerauthors.com. It's the main place that I found this. And I really loved it because I think it works not only great in query letters, but in standard business meetings as a follow-up to interviews in general. That bonus trick at the end of the query letter in order to make it stand out and that one last special connection piece, the PS at the end of the query letter. Kelly Simmons in that blog, and I'm just actually going to read it. She says, the PS is the second most read part of any letter after the opening paragraph. I thought that was so smart. And I don't know the the exact statistics on it, but it felt right to me. And I would understand that because it's the last thing you see. If you're reading a query letter, that book blurb is going to be, again, the reason why a literary agent asks for more pages or not. But adding that PS is just a fun little way of creating that final connection piece to the agent at the end. And to help you think about, well, what would I include? Kelly on that Career Authors blog post, she talks about how when you're thinking about the author, you consider things about why me? You're asking yourself the ideas of why the literary agent would want to learn more from you. And for a PS, reverse that and go back to the idea of why you? When I recorded the first part of this query letter series, focusing on the hook part, 
the first paragraph in a query letter, I mentioned you may or may not choose to provide a sentence that is a special connection piece to the literary agent. If you do that or don't do that in the first paragraph, you're carrying over the same ideas into the PS of the query letter. What I mean by this is when you're thinking why you, a great PS is focused on clear research and a genuine connection or admiration for the queried literary agent. You shouldn't just be querying literary agents just because. You should be querying specific literary agents because you admire something that they are doing and think that they would be an excellent business partner and literary agent for your writing career. How are you going to include in the PS some sort of special connection that identifies why that might be truthful for your future relationship with them? This means that you could include something that speaks to something that they've sold before and you really enjoy. It could mean that you have seen something that they have said publicly that really resonated with you. Maybe you're an underrepresented writer and they've spoken publicly about advocating for underrepresented voices. Maybe they've talked about how they love animals in stories and what you've done in your stories. Your characters have special connections with animals. All this to say is that connection piece isn't random. There has been research done for you to write it, but the reason why you write it is authentic and speaks to why you are querying them specifically. It humanizes you in a step even deeper than the author bio. And if Kelly's right, it will be the second most read paragraph or sentence in your query letter. And just as a quick caveat, it's not necessary. I don't think federal agents are expecting the PS. That being said, if you have a great PS that does connect with them, it will be the last thing that they think about. So it might just give them that one special push to ask for more pages. Of course, of course, only if the hook, the blurb, and the bio resonated with them. That brings me to the conclusion of this episode. Before we send off today, since we are at the third and final paragraph, I want to emphasize, no matter how strong your query letter is, your query letter will not sell your book. I'll let that settle in for a second. It is absolutely essential that you write the best, catchiest, strongest query letter that you can write before you query your list of literary agents. At the same time, if your manuscript is not at its best, it's very unlikely that you will get representation. A query letter is what gets an agent to say, hey, send me more. But unless those first pages and the story itself don't entice a literary agent to either request the full and hopefully offer representation, then it won't matter how strong and amazing your query letter is because the query letter isn't what they are going to sell to an editor. The manuscript is going to be what they sell to an editor. So just keep that in mind. If you're out there in querying and you're getting a lot of yeses to a query letter, but a lot of no's in the end, it's time to reevaluate what's going on with those first pages and the manuscript itself. So just think about that. I know that the query trenches can be rough. I always like to emphasize that, yes, it only takes one yes for you to get an agent, but it's really important for you to be happy with the shared career vision that you and that agent have together. You shouldn't just be saying yes to an agent because they say yes. You should be saying yes to an agent because you believe that they are the best for your writing and publishing career. That's all I have for today. Thank you so much for joining me for this conversation on LitMatch. 
and for all three parts of the Quick Query Tips, How to Write a Query Letter series. You can learn more about how to write the third paragraph of a query letter or the author's bio in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to check out that first and second episode in the How to Write the Query Letter Quick Query Tips episodes. I also want to give a special shout out to everyone who has rated and reviewed the show. Thank you. Thank you. Ratings and reviews signal to iTunes that this podcast matters, and it helps me reach more writers like you who either want to learn more about the writing process or need help with the submission and query process. I'd love to connect with you more. If you have any questions or recommendations from that match, I am producing the show for you. So please email me and let me know at abigailkperry at gmail.com. Until next time, happy writing. Persevere if you are querying and remember that the difference between a writer who publishes and the ones who do not are the writers who give up. I believe your writing matters and I can't wait to celebrate you when you sign with the best literary agent for your writing and publishing career and of course support and cheer you on when your book comes out.